Folks, we're getting a full show with our man Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. It is a Wednesday edition of Locked On Lions. You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and checking us out wherever you get your podcast. Matt Derry with you. It is a Wednesday episode of Locked On Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wednesday, May the 24th, and Thursday, May the 25th. You see them on the screen. For those of you watching on our Locked On Lions YouTube channel where you can subscribe and watch for free, Jeremy Reisman is with us from prideofdetroit.com. OTA is underway. Jeremy and the crew from POD will be down there tomorrow. We want to get into that with him and certainly everything else that is Lions related. Of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Dairy Speaks, at Lockdown Lions, and the Matt Dairy Facebook fan page as well. Jeremy on Twitter at Detroit Online. The Twitter sphere has been very nice to Jeremy over the last, uh, I would say, the last year. I mean, I always talk about you guys and you and Eric and everybody, Ryan and at, at Pride of Detroit, do such a great job, but. Isn't it weird, Jeremy, to kind of be in this in this place, in this space right now where all things are smelling like roses uh, down at uh, 222? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is certainly odd. And and it's a good feeling, right? Um, Because I think this time of year, you're always feeling pretty good about the team. I mean, if, if you want to, this is the time to feel good about your team because they're they're 0-0. But it's never really felt legitimate, right? It, it's, it's, well, if everything goes right, this team could. Now it's this team should. Yeah. And that's like such an important distinction that we've never really been able to to have here. And so it's it's odd, it's interesting. It seems like every other day there's a new talking head out there hyping up the Lions and uh it's it's pretty exciting time to to cover a team that hasn't been that exciting to cover for a while. Give some of the listeners and viewers a, a background on prideofdetroit.com, how it started. I know we've had John before, we've had Eric on and everybody, sure. but um it's been it's been how many years now for you guys? I think seventeen. Um, yeah, we've been around. It, it's part of the SB Nation uh, Sports Blog Nation Network. Um, basically, it's it's a site where we don't necessarily hide away from the fact that they're fans writing about the the team. So there's there's a lot of passion coming through in our writing, but we try to be as objective as possible. I know that's kind of a a tightrope line to, to walk, but um, we we. I, th- I think part of being a fan too is also being able to express frustration, right? So when the bad times are there, we're not hiding from them. We're we're kind of leaning into them and, and and saying what we're feeling. But also, we, we really have everything covered, right? We have your your analysis, we have your your emotional stuff, we have film breakdowns, rule breakdowns, salary cap stuff. Um, we have such a talented group of writers who are able to to really cover all of the, that. And the Lions, as of a uh, I want to say twenty eighteen. Uh, gave us full credentials too. So we're, we're right there in the building. So we have kind of all the background information, uh, up-to-date news, that sort of stuff. And um, we also have um, a comment section. Part of what makes Pride of Detroit so unique to us, at least, is that it's all community-based. Um, I actually got my start in the comment section at Pride of Detroit. When it, was, <laughs> when it started, I was just kind of writing. There's a whole section where fans can write their own posts. Uh, that's where I kind of started developing my, my skill set. And eventually, I got enough eyes on it that that I'm running the thing um, as of 2015. So um, it's it's really cool. You know, we have a comment section, we have the fan post section, we have a Discord page, 
podcasts, all that sort of stuff to make it a very interactive experience while also being informative and entertaining. So uh, it's it's kind of our our one stop shop is is how we like to sell it. It's interesting because, and you mentioned it, by the way, the award-winning, and I mentioned this yesterday on the show, PR staff uh, mm-hmm. led by Eamon and Sally and the crew do yeah. such a great job. But that's a big step, isn't it, Jared, just to kind of get you guys in the building and and doing, I guess you could say, legitimate reporting, which you, I think you guys deserve it. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Lions were one of the first teams in the NFL to to embrace, quote-unquote, non-traditional media. And, and, and listen, like, we took that honor very seriously right we, we followed all the rules we you know we're not cheering in the press box we're not wearing lions jerseys to practice or anything like that like we know that this is this is kind of a sacred opportunity that not a lot of people in our position get and so we want to be as professional as possible about it and and again like once we get back into our homes like we're cheering on in front of the cameras and 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 you know behind our keyboards and sort of that sort of stuff but um you know, it, it's important to be respectful uh, in, in every sort of way, because I do respect the traditional media. They, they've been putting in years and years and years and work, and I don't want it to seem like I'm the amateur walking in and I know what I'm doing and that sort of stuff. Like, right. there's it's a long learning process uh, doing that, considering um, one of the things that that's unique about our staff is a lot of them don't come from that necessarily traditional journalism background. Um, so it's 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 an interesting uh, dynamic, but uh, I've developed a, a good relationship with a lot of the the media in there, a lot of good relationship with the, the Lions uh, employees inside that building, and uh, it's really been, I think, a mutually beneficial relationship for everyone involved. So here we sit on May 24th. Vegas obviously has the Lions as the betting favorites to, to mm-hmm. win the NFC North, and, um, and, and certainly that would mean so much to this you know, organization, franchise, and just community and, and the Lion fan base. But how do you do, how do you look big picture, Jeremy, at, at where the Lions stand right now in year three of this rebuild? I mean, it, it's hard to imagine them being in honestly much better situation, um, not just for 2023, but for, for the long haul. Um, this team is incredibly young. Uh, they they sported the, the youngest roster in the NFL last year, if you adjust by snaps. Um, and they're only really maintaining that youth, right? They get, what, five, six draft picks in, in the first three rounds um, this year. Uh, even some of the free agents they had, like CJ Gardner-Johnson, still incredibly young. So they're really built to not just succeed. And I think that's one thing that uh, I, I know Lions fans, their their eyes are getting wide. They're, they're seeing Super Bowl odds and things like that. But it's not it's not just going to be about 2023. They still kind of have to learn to walk before they run. So I'm not saying you can't have high expectations for this team. They should make the playoffs. They should probably win the division, should probably maybe even win a playoff game, uh, but maybe expecting like a Super Bowl in the first year of like them actually contending, maybe not in the cards. So it could be, but you have to kind of get incredibly lucky for your first. I, I would say the Rams kind of got incredibly lucky in that first year of Stafford being able to, to turn it into a Super Bowl right away. The lines are not like their, their window is open now. Um, if they get a Super Bowl this year, awesome. Uh, but I think it, it might take a little bit extra time and they're really set up that way. And really, I think the only question they still have in terms of long-term overview is the quarterback position, right? You have Jared Goff for, for two more years right now. Maybe they're going to get an extension done this year. Maybe it's something they wait until next year. Maybe Hendon Hooker is that answer in the long-term. That's just something, a piece of the puzzle that we still need to find out. There's really no hurry, I would say, to get it done this year, but um, it's, it's definitely going to be a lingering question that goes into next year if they don't get an extension done this year. By the way, for those uh, Pride of Detroit uh, P1 listeners or P1 readers and fans, it was Jeremy at the 6.56 mark. That was his first Matthew Stafford reference. He's <laughs> he's dialed it way down. I've been a fan for a long time, and we've 
had Jeremy on the show for years, but uh, I've, I, his Stafford, you know, <laughs> when the Lions started winning, then, then you know, the the attacks on Jeremy for his Stafford love kind of went away as, as the wins started piling up. And Jared Goff played well, but you bring sure. up a good point, Jared, about the, the quarterback situation. How do you feel about Goff now? And is Hennon Hooker in your mind, and especially with this new rule that just got implemented this week, do you think he's just kind of dressed all year but never never sees the field? Yeah, let, let's start with that. Um, I don't know. With with the comments about him redshirting this year, it, it really makes me think, and the way they treated Jamison last year, really makes me think they might start him on, on the NFI list, the, the, pu- the pup list, except it's a, a college injury. So t- technically it's the NFI list, which means he would miss the first six games of the season but wouldn't count against the, uh, the roster there. I, I think they might want that extra spot on the 53 to start, and with no real reason to push Hendon Hooker into action, I think that would make the most sense. But I think – by you know midseason, maybe they're like, okay, you can be that emergency quarterback. You can be the third guy on our fifty-three. You're probably not going to play, but in case of an emergency, we'll give you some snaps like that. You know that that might be something beneficial for us in the long term. Um, but in terms of like maybe him challenging for that number one spot, I think I think we're really too far away to to make any sort of predictions right. about that. And Jared Goff, listen. I think this is his opportunity to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, right? I think a lot of people look at the way he finished last season and say, well, great, that's that's an awesome nine-game stretch. But where were you in the first half of the season? Where were you in the first half of the season in, in 2021? And and yes, plenty of arguments could be made that his supporting cast was not as good. They were all injured or whatever. Um, no no excuses to, to be held uh, this year. I mean, maybe you can say, well, he's not going to have Jameson for the first six games, but um, with expectations high, with a good supporting staff, with maybe a better defense this year, this should be a very, very good team. And so if Jared Goff impresses for another year and goes on another long inter- interceptionless streak, streak or, you know, produces top five stats or even top 10 stats, then yeah, I think you do have to legitimately consider an extension um, starting next year and, and, and the line shouldn't be f- afraid of that. More with Jeremy Reisman, managing editor, prideofdetroit.com. Uh, excellent Lions site. I'm there every day. I think they do a, a whale of a job. We will uh, do more with uh, Jeremy here coming up next. I want to get into the draft a little bit with him and certainly OTA starting what he's looking at, although I, I read his article earlier, but uh, earlier in the week about that. But I will disagree with him about the position that he's looking at. We'll do that. Uh, I know. Coming up next, I want to talk, though, first about our friends at FanDuel. Hey, we got uh, OTA starting. We, we, if you want to even bet on USFL, yes, we do have a team here in Michigan. They get very little hype, the Panthers. Uh, you can do it at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. We still have NBA playoffs to still decide in the Eastern Conference tomorrow night with the game five Celtics and Heat. Put money down, go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown and sign up to claim that no sweat first bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Jeremy Reisman with us from uh, prideofdetroit.com. I was referencing before the uh, mini break there. You said, I, I don't know if it was you who wrote it or Eric, about you're looking at the cornerbacks and the secondary for OTAs. Yeah. I said the other day on this show, I'm interested in seeing how the linebackers kind of line up because you got... At this time last year, Rodrigo was, you know, the hero of the city yeah. and the, the mayor and T-shirts were made and the, the cowboy boots and, and all that stuff. And now all of a sudden, you know, I, I let's talk first about the linebackers. I don't want to get to the secondary, but how do you kind of see how they're going to line up and what they are going to do at linebacker and who will be the odd man out in your mind? 
Yeah, well, obviously, Jack Campbell is, is eventually going to be a starter at some point in this offseason. Um, the way the Lions have played it in the past, he might not be there day one. I, I, it, But at the same time, I honestly wouldn't be that surprised if he was. Um, but if I had to guess, they're probably going to have him with the second or third string just to, to make him earn it, whether it's ceremonial or, or, or not. You know, the, the Lions really like to preach competition and not, you know, everyone's on an even playing field no matter where you were drafted or picked or how you were acquired. Um, but he's going to be a starter, and and Alex Anzalone is going to be a starter. Um, I think the question is who gets the green dot, right? Um, because I do think Jack Campbell, that's where his future is. He's going to be a middle linebacker. He's a smart enough guy. He's a vocal enough guy where I think he is going to be the one that leads the middle of that defense. The question is, is it too early for him? Is um, is this season too important to the overall team to hand those duties to a rookie? Um, those are questions that that really don't have easy answers. All I know is that they really do trust Alex Anzalone. He has years and years of experience in this defensive scheme. So um, I don't think they would have any problem keeping the green dot there for this year when, you know, the stakes are really, really high. So maybe they give hand those over in, in year two, but I think those are your two starting linebackers. And then when you kind of mix in that third one or you rotate a little bit, I have to imagine Malcolm Rodriguez still will be that guy that they trust a little bit more to do a little bit of everything. Um, Derek Barnes to me is, it, this is a really important off season for him. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe he falls back to more special teams duties. It's not something that he's done a ton of this um, in his early career, but you got to remember, he's also still kind of relatively new to the linebacker position too, right? He was mostly an edge at Purdue before that last season when he started doing off ball things. So now this is year, I guess, four for him at the off ball linebacker position year three in the NFL. So um, he, he really needs to pr prove that, you know, he can still give this team something valuable, whether that is, you know, a reserve spot on defense or special teams. I think he's probably going to have to do a little bit of both. So yeah, I think, I think of all of the people that have the most to prove, I think Derek Barnes is probably at the top of that list. Certainly a nice problem to have that there's some depth there. We right. know about, Derek Barnes' relationship with Chris Spielman. We know what Rodrigo did last year, um, so it will be interesting, certainly. And we know the coaching staff loves Alex Anzalone. Um, defensive backs, it's kind of funny. The, 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 the schedule comes out, and we're all so excited about the opener being against Kansas City and being in primetime and being the team, one of two teams to open up the season. I mean, what that's going to do for just the hype train is awesome. But then you take a step back, Jeremy, and go, uh-oh, brand-new secondary, and they get, they get to get, you know, Working together for the first time against Patrick Mahomes, um, what, what, how do you look at it? And, and I know that you guys wrote a little bit on your site about what the secondary could look like during OTAs. How how much of a microscope will you have on that? Yeah, I mean, a big one, right? Because it is the, the, the position with the most changes, and I think it's also one of the positions with the most versatility. So a guy like C.J. Gardner-Johnson obviously played a ton of safety with the Eagles last year. And, and I'm sure he's look he circled that week one game quite a bit, considering the Eagles lost to the chiefs in the super bowl. Um, but yeah, is, is he going to be more of a nickel like he was with the saints or is he going to be a little bit more uh, shading towards the safety? I would imagine given that they have Tracy Walker, who, who appears to be fully ready to go, which is kind of phenomenal considering just how long or just how recently he had his Achilles injury. And then Kirby Joseph obviously finished the season strong too. So you, you'd think he plays nickel, especially since they don't necessarily have a guy that, um, really has that position locked down. I know Will Harris is a guy who can play it, and they have a couple other guys who can play that at a specific level, but C.J. Gardner obviously elevates that position. And then, you know, you kind of have to wonder who's going to hold down the, the cornerback two spot with Emmanuel Mosley likely still sidelined to the ACL. Is it Jerry Jacobs? Can Jerry Jacobs maybe hold on to that position and, and hold off Mosley 
once training camp rolls around. And then obviously Cameron Sutton, I think, is is an interesting one. Um, considering he'll be lining up, I would assume, against JMO a lot, it'll be a nice test to see how he does against number one receivers. Obviously, JMO in him in him in it of himself is a big question, and we don't know where he lines up in terms of number one receivers, but Cameron Sutton has been a good number two uh corner for a very long time. It seems like he's destined to be cornerback one. So that'll be a step for him. And he's gone against, you know, some good receivers before they obviously in the, uh, the AFC North, he's had to go against a, a really good Bengals receiving core, whether it's T Higgins or Jamar chase, but um, we'll, we'll see how he holds up here. And, um, and really, I think he's going to him and CJ Gardner Johnson are really going to be kind of vocal leaders out there. And I'm kind of eager to see what that looks like on the field as well. Obviously we're kind of past free agency. I know the lions are, are kind of mixing and matching with, with, you know, figuring out some some late free agent ads and you know adding a you know the bears starting right tackle from two years ago that was a bit of a swinging gate and if, if i i fetty and and stuff like that but where do you see this still the biggest need and where do you feel the most comfortable positionally with this uh, organization right now yeah it's a good question i, I would say I- you know, a lot of people say defensive tackle. I, I think I'd probably agree with that. Like they, they could probably use a little bit more rotation there. I know they added Christian Covington and, and, you know, he's a veteran guy who who could certainly be part of that rotation. But um, the thing is, I don't, I don't see them making any kind of big swings in free agency anymore. I, I think it's a lot like the Jermaine Effetti ads, right? It's these rotational guys that, that give you a little bit more breathing room that gives you a little bit more uh, security, I guess, insurance uh, in case of injury. But I'd say, you know, they could use a little bit more, defensive tackle help, maybe, maybe even a little bit of linebacker help. Um, but other than that, like you, you, you look at across this roster and it, it, there's not really a lot of jobs up for grabs, right? There certainly are many, if any starting jobs up for grabs. So it's more, you're talking about second string guys, you're talking about special teams guys. And I think the lines are probably going to take the next four weeks of practice to be like, all right, what do we have? Where do we need that help in terms of our reserves? And so I don't expect any big swings. I know there's, there's still some guys on, trading blocks and things like that. But um, I think, I think they're going to be relatively quiet um, for the next month, month and two really. And, and, and this has kind of been a, a change from the past. I, I feel like Bob Quinn was a guy who added a guy every, every other day. It seemed like they kept churning. <laughs> Mr. Waiver wire. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Brad Holmes has not really been like that through two years. And, and granted that could change now that the team is in a better place, but um, I think they typically rather have their guys and just, figure it out with those guys, you know, give them a real chance to develop within this this coaching staff, within the scheme and see what they got. So I'm not expecting a lot of changes from this 90 man roster from, from now until cut down dates. Um, But if there is a position that I guess I feel comfortable with to answer your question, I, I, I really like the running back core. Um, I think, I think they're kind of deep there. I think they're going to have to let someone talented go, especially with um, obviously Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are, are your ones and twos, but Beyond that, I think you have to make some some difficult decisions. Craig Reynolds has been good when he when called upon, and he's a big special teamer. But I really like Muhammad Ibrahim. I, I think he's a guy that that could challenge for that RB throt, RB spot, RB three spot. Um, and and Jamar, like I'm not completely counting out Jamar, and even Greg Bell, a guy a UDFA from last year, is a guy that they really liked, but suffered an early training camp uh, injury that you know he he lost his entire rookie season there. So I think really you have maybe even a four man race for that RB3 spot, and maybe they keep an RB4 just because they like their competition there so much. All right. Uh, this is this is the fun question. Um, Michael Badgley, will he kick week one in Kansas City? Will he be the guy? I I think so. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a huge John Parker Romo guy. I mean, 
we're, we're looking at kind of not that the XFL is any different in terms of kicking field goals, but it's, it's kind of a small sample size. I know um, he, he looked good statistically. I, you know, I, I am kind of aboard this, like, let's, let's see if we can get McManus in here. Um, I, I would like a, a, a guy who can kick more. I, I think it's important to have that extra weapon of a long distance kicker. And that's just not who Michael Badgley is. I, and no respect to disrespect against Michael Badgley. He's been really phenomenal from, from 40 and in, which is not something that you should take for granted. Um, that's not something that's really necessarily even all that common. I mean, we here in Detroit, ever since really Jason Hansen, there's been a lot of kind of turmoil, you know, there's a, the, the month and a half or, or two months before um, Matt Prater kind of landed in their, in their arms. There was hectic. The last two years have been a little hectic with injuries and inconsistencies. So having a consistent guy like Badgley is worth it. Um, but there, I think there needs to be better competition there. And with, with McManus, I think he brings, really uh, kind of the same kind of consistency, especially below 40. Um, he, he's not coming off his best season, but he's a guy who can, you know, and th- this is what I'm thinking is when this team is as competitive as we expect them to be, they're going to need all the points they get can get, which means at the end of half, you might not have, you know, if there's 30 seconds on the clock and you don't have a good long distance kicker, maybe you're taking knees. If you have a guy that can kick it from 55 yards, you're going to try to pick up the 30 yards you need to get in there. Yeah. Um, that's important at the end of the half. That's obviously going to be really important at the end of games too. If you have that 10 extra yards of cushion for a game winning drive, that's huge. That's, that's enormous. And so with, with increased expectations means you need a weapon like that. And Badgley just isn't that guy. Um, so I think, I think the line should be looking to upgrade. Um, but I don't think they necessarily have that competition in house right now that, that can challenge them for the job. So as of right now, I think Badgley is their guy. Um, but, but if they do find, uh, better competition, especially with that long ball. Um, I think Badgley should be looking over his shoulder. Yeah, there's a lot of good guys out there. Um, not just McManus, or certainly Ryan, uh, Robbie Gold and Ryan Suckup and sure. others. I don't know if I'm taking a swing at Brett Maher after last year at the end of Dallas, but <laughs> yeah. uh, that had some uh, Lion-esque Alex Henry memories for me oh boy. Uh, <laughs> when I watched that, Jeremy. All right, final thing. Um, you look at the division. How do you, how do you size it up? If you had, and obviously there's gonna be this is prediction time. Yeah, uh, this is prediction season all summer. But how do you how do you kind of size it up when you look at it? Yeah, I think I have a, a little bit of a, a different take on it than certainly the odds makers do. Um, I I'm very low on Minnesota this year. I think they've hemorrhaged a lot of talent this off season. And if you look at some of the advanced statistics, they weren't as good as their record was last year. And it's, it, I mean, you can point to the, what was it? 10 and 0 record in one score games. Yeah. I really like football outsiders DVOA number. They were 27th last year in DVOA. Wow. Uh, so way, way under what maybe the, the overall record looks like. And like I said, they, they've lost a lot of talent. Um, you know, Dalvin cook might be on his way out as well. So I actually have them as the worst team in the division. Mm. Um, I have the line. I still have the lines first um, just based on, you know, I, I'm with, Vegas makers. I, I think, I think the Lions were the best team in division last year. Uh, they certainly finished that way. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and they've only gotten better. Meanwhile, I think everyone else has kind of either stayed level or, you know, the Chicago bears are obviously the one team that, that maybe provides the most intrigue. I think, I think their, their floor and their ceiling are, are the widest apart of any team. I think they could be a team that wins a, a wild card position this year. And I think they could also be a five to six win team. Um, that said, I think the Packers are still the number two team in the division. I really do. And I know a lot of people that the Jordan love stuff. Sure. But this is a team that still has a pretty good offensive line. They still have a really good rushing attack and their defense ain't half bad either. Um, th- this team was 
also playing some really good football towards the end of last year, which is why they almost slipped into the playoffs themselves. So I understand the Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love's thing takes all the headlines, but if Jordan Love can just be an average quarterback or maybe even a little bit below average quarterback, I still think that's a pretty good team that should make the playoffs. Um, so I have Lions, Packers, Bears, Vikings, and I, I kind of feel strongly about that. I feel I feel like that's pretty clear in terms of talent level um, for each of those teams right now. Jeremy, thanks so much for uh, coming on. Always good to see you and talk to you, and uh, we'll be reading Pride of Detroit uh, all the time. Continued uh, success with the site. Hey, I appreciate all the kind words, and, and good to talk to you again, Matt. You got it. There he is, Jeremy Reisman with us, managing editor of prideofdetroit.com. That's a Wednesday edition of Lockdown Lions.